The zombie nuggets took the Suns starters all the way to the wire. We'll talk about whether Peyton Watson should play in the playoffs. Plus, the the playoff picture is extremely, extremely complicated. This is Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for making this your first listen. We appreciate you guys joining us on whatever platform you choose, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, where you can join the show, hang out in the comment section with folks like Eggshin and Zamora hanging out with us, Josh Winninger, Mahalo, Big Honey, lots of folks hanging out with us in the chat comment section. Just click on the old subscribe button, hit the likes, and then turn on the notifications and you can join the show with us live my name is matt moore i'm the senior nba writer for the action network his name is adam mares he's director of content for dnvr check out the pre and post game show before every nuggets game and after every nuggets game over at dnvr and check out the dnvr bar it's the best place for you to watch any colorado sports game that could possibly exist adam this is it it's our last locked on nuggets episode of the 2022 23 NBA regular season. We made it. I didn't realize that. You're right, though. Wow. Last show of the regular season on Monday, we begin playoff preparation for whoever the Nuggets will face, which we won't know till Friday. So we get wow. a whole week of content next week to fill without knowing who they're going to play. Man. Are you excited? It is crazy to think. I mean, that that part of it, you think, oh, you got a whole week to preview the playoffs, but you really only have one day. It's crazy. Not even that, because guess what? We're going to record on Friday morning, and the game's Friday night. It is? Yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be kidding me, man. That's wild. So we might have to do a Friday night Tuesday episode, Thursday. you and I, uh, previewing game one on Sunday, because otherwise we won't have any content up for the actual playoff matchup. Um, on today's show, we're going to talk about the win over the Suns, or win, uh, the moral win, <laughs> moral victory over the Suns. We're going to talk about the uh, role of Peyton Watson and whether or not he should play in the postseason. Uh, and finally, we'll get to the playoff picture. I'll roll through a lot of the scenarios. Adam asked me, like, isn't the playoff picture mostly set? And I was like, no, that that's not a thing. And I started to uh, word vomit into his ear for about four minutes. And he was like, just save it for the show. Just just save it. Let's start the, the game last night. So the Phoenix Suns play their starters. The Nuggets rest all five of their starters. Good decision, I feel, by the Nuggets. That was a very sound decision given the starters are the most banged up and you need to get them healthy. So the Nuggets rest starters. Uh, the Suns play everybody. And yet, Nuggets hung throughout that entire game. Now, you and I have oftentimes talked about this, about how motivation waxes and wanes and that a lot of this is Every team has these letdown kind of type of spots, and the Nuggets almost gave the Suns one. You and I do not think that, like, the Suns are – it shows how unserious the Suns are, that they're vulnerable or that they're not the, a tough matchup for Denver. The bench guys played really well. Give credit to the Nuggets bench. They played really great. I love that Michael Malone was, like, annoyed after the game they didn't win that game. They had a lot of opportunities to win it late. Would have been a really good feel-good win. Um, but guys kind of show you that there are guys on this team that can contribute and that not every game is going to look like the Pelicans game without Jokic. That's like kind of no small thing that one of the things I hope is a takeaway from this last week of games. And then the weekend coming up 
is that the non-Jokic minutes gain a little bit of confidence, but more than confidence, just a little bit of rhythm and identity, you know, playing as many minutes as in a row as they do. Uh, I think that that might be a thing that's accomplished. It's certainly the thing I'm looking for most over these upcoming two games. If they can just look like an actual team, not like a team that looks hopeless without Jokic on the court, I think that would be a positive. Uh, Christian Brown continues to shine and whenever he's on the floor, 15 points for him on six of 11, scoring two of five from the field, four boards, three assists, two steals, uh, had his usual array of transition stuff that he got to go down. I will say that my, like one of the significant things from the last, I don't know, four or five games to me is that Bruce Brown looks way better than he has really since November. Like this has been the best stretch that I've seen from Bruce Brown in a while. And to me, that really matters because they need him to be good in the playoffs. Yeah. That's certainly another one of the positives is that he seems to be having some momentum going into the playoffs. Again, I don't know how much we can read into that. We've kind of, this is the weird part I'm in, Matt. We collectively talked about a month ago, how this upcoming month won't really be indicative of what the nuggets are doing. And yet here we are in ways, both positive and negative talking about trends heading into the playoffs. I'm not. So I want to say that I agree with you. Bruce Brown looks like he's getting a rhythm. He knocked down some threes. Like those things are all important, but at the end of the day, I think he's just playing more minutes and getting more of a larger role. And um, that's probably what's contributing to it. Yeah. I'll just say, I think, you know, like the Warriors game, I thought he was more locked in the Warriors game. That Warriors game, I think is more indicative than this one. I will say that like, you do kind of see when he's not matched up on bigger forwards, when he's not met, when he's matched up on guards, Bruce Brown's defensive capability to me really still shines. Like his capability, like what he's able to do defensively looks a lot better when he's not physically outmatched. Yeah. And I mean, also like we're kind of underselling this 31 points was a career high for him. So he had a career high, uh, 31. He became the fifth Nuggets player this season to have 30 points or more. Um, so I think those are all good things. If you want to ask me, like my biggest actual takeaway from this game that that I I think there might be some legs to Christian, DeAndre Jordan, <laughs> DeAndre Jordan, Christian Brown really did a nice job on Devin Booker. Yeah, and I have to preface all of this by saying this was the first game the Suns played since clinching the playoffs. So this was their first game that didn't mean anything. And I think that was probably the number one contributor of why this game was so close. They certainly didn't play like they were locked in. But Christian Brown just did such a good job. He has the physicality, the length, the size, and the discipline to guard a Booker. Booker uses a lot of fakes, a lot of pump fakes, a lot of footwork, a lot of different things. And Christian Brown just never gets caught on those. He always is like down and ready to contest. And um, if you play a series against the Phoenix Suns, I do agree that I think it's a really tough matchup but I'm curious how much Christian Brown would play per game in that series. Cause I think he's good. would be pretty needed. I totally agree with you. Um, so here's like, here's the thing. The conversation around Christian. It's a, this is all, a, this is all a failure of mine. Like I am owning my failures. Right. Is that like, I would make jokes on Twitter about like, well, if you just play Christian Brown 48 minutes, they win. Here's like an important, like thing to note. I can't nitpick his game. He should, be your, he should be one of your guys. I feel like you drew a line in the sand early for some reason, but he's a Matt Moore guy. Oh, I, but I, I said, I also said consistently and tried to reiterate, like he should play. He's good because yeah. he's a Matt Moore guy. Like there is nothing about him that is not like he doesn't, he, he makes so you talked about this with like stand down. He makes so few mistakes for a rookie. Oh, oh. like the, no, I don't, there's like a handful of defenders that I remember being this good at not making defensive mistakes this, this early. There's such a, especially considering I'll say this, like 
rookies get bad whistles. Like they're always going to get bad whistles. That's one of the issues with playing him is he's going to, he's never going to get the benefit of a doubt. And Especially because the guys we're talking about. Yeah. It's like, I mean, he might guard a Chris Paul. He might guard a Kevin Durant for, but he's going to get a tough whistle in the playoffs. So, um, but at the same time, like there's just, there's nothing with Christian's game where it's like, I have, and from the moment that I first talked to him in the locker room this season, I came away like that guy's going to be like, I went back into the media room after talking to him in the locker room the first time this season and was like, that kid's going to play in the league 11 years. <laughs> like his mentality, his approach, everything. It's really positive. Um, let's talk about Peyton in this game in particular, and we'll transition that into the next segment. What did you see from Peyton Watson last night? Another really impactful defensive performance, I thought. Um, it wasn't as good as his best game, but it was still a really good one. And, and I think the biggest thing to me is you start to stack multiple defenders like Denver has KCP and Aaron Gordon in their starting lineup, and they make an impact for sure. I mean, the Denver starting lineup has been pretty decent uh, defensively. You put three of them in Brown, Brown, and Watson on the court, and you really see what havoc you can you can uh, you can create. And I think that that's that's what stood out to me so much was that Peyton was one of the guys. I don't think his individual defense popped quite as much. Like it wasn't anything specific he was doing. But I just thought that it was collectively having all of those guys out there. They covered so much ground. They played so hard. Um, and, and they just made a huge impact on defense. And then the, you know, as we watch more and more of him, we get to see more of his skill set. He's very good in the open court. He's a very good open court playmaker and finisher. And that that's kind of an exciting offensive skill set. On the other side, we'll talk about whether or not Peyton Watson <laughs> needs to, should, should not, or will play in the postseason. Uh, and then later on the show, we'll get to the playoff picture. But right now, I need to tell you about our Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week. Brought to you by the all-new electric 2023 Nissan Aria. This player embodies being electric, brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, elegantly powerful. All of those things combined for the perfect SUV crossover. Uh, Adam, I have two choices for you. I it's do gonna too. have to be Christian or Peyton Watson. Which one do you want to give it to? I thought you were gonna say Bruce or Peyton. So since we both have Peyton, let's give it to Peyton Watson. Peyton Watson is your Nissan most electric player of the week. He showed that combination of athleticism, strength, speed, athleticism, defense, mindset, all those types of things combining in the same way that the 2023 Nissan Aria packs pinion to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Friday, last show of the regular season. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about Peyton Watson, Adam. Um, Gordon Gross had a pretty good comment about this on Twitter. Gordon talked about how, like, one of the things that's really valuable about, about Christian and and Peyton is it's going to be really valuable to have these long athletic defenders since the Nuggets haven't had one in eight years. And I was like, that's, yeah. I, I was also like, that's a very Adam take. Um, what are your thoughts on, there's three questions here. Should Peyton play in the playoffs. Will Peyton play out play in the playoffs? Um, I guess there's two. Should and would. I think we both kind of agree. Probably not that putting him in that situation 
is difficult. I don't know if I can believe Malone will trust him in that situation. I, what's the scenario where Malone calls his number to playoffs? Like, build build me the scenario. It's game four or five. Four. Let's say it's on the road. It's game four. They. It's either three one the opponent or uh, it's either two one the opponent or. 2-2, but the Nuggets did not look good in the back half of the Game 2 win. Um, and they're getting killed by, like, a long athletic player. One of these wings that just... KCP isn't big enough, Bruce isn't big enough, um, NAG's in either foul trouble or fatigue, and they just need a different look at him to try and slow him down with some athleticism that they're getting also probably bodied a little bit. That's the situation where it would be kind of like, okay, you're out of kind of guys... Christian is has another assignment, right? It's a team with two wings where Christian's got to play off the bench. Is that a spot where Peyton gives them something that he believes Jeff Green or yeah, Jeff Green um, or Zeke, I guess, since hearing Zeke's back um, can give them. So I, I agree with you that that's the scenario. Um, oh man, I'm trying to put in here. The thing that's weird about it for me is in the playoffs, we agree that one of Murray or Jokic will be on the court at all times, right? It'd be it'd be pretty shocking for one of those guys to be off. Watt Payton has not played with Jokic this season, zero minutes, and he's played just 20 minutes with Jamal Murray. So in a playoffs, in theory, it would basically be the first minutes that he would ever play with one of the key guys, and that's why I think it's just such a crazy um, wrench to throw in there. I don't know if I agree with you that it's game four, five, six. I, I think there's a chance it could be a game three, but I agree with you that I could not see it in a game one or a game two. I just, you have to get to a point where you're starting to make something happen. Even game three, I think is highly unlikely, but that's the earliest I could see Malone kind of doing something so outside the box. And then I would agree with you. They need defense. They've tried a multi, uh, multiple defenders on a specific player and none have worked. And so it's like, all right, well, let's try this one. Um, I would, this kind of is, is a different, this is like a tangential discussion. There are two types of coaching adjustments, which are, there's, we have this option to go to, if we feel like we're losing this matchup, let's go to this. That's like a pre-planned, pre-executed schematic, right. purposeful decision. Um, Taylor Jenkins. Steven Adams gets killed in drop coverage in game one last year versus the Grizzlies. So he yanks Steven Adams for game two. And it's just like, you're not going to play this series. That's like a, we're going, that's the usual answer is like, we're going small because we're losing whatever this battle is versus the guards. The other one really is a, we got to try something. Let's see how this looks. That's a Terry Stotts adjustment. Um, and to be honest with you, Terry Stotts, I think Terry Stotts was a great coach in the NBA. Like I think Stotts deserves another shot. Stotts was great with Portland. He did a really great job there. Yeah. Stotts was a really bad playoff coach. Uh, his record, both against the spread and straight up and like versus expectation, very poor. Um, and you saw in that series versus the Nuggets, like I always go back to this. He really did. Like Myers Leonard hadn't played almost at all. Evan Turner hadn't played almost at all. And right. he threw those guys out there, not from a, they can bring something different, but just like, a, um, we're getting our ass kicked. Let's try this. Right. And coaches do that. Like Ty Lue has done that before. I forget who, but he's done that before. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he did that with Bones. Like, Bones isn't necessarily in the playoff rotation. And then suddenly is like, we need a spark. And then Bones goes out and scores 15. Um, so there's like all these, these, there are those two different types of rotations. 
or adjustments. I think Peyton Watson is much more the latter. And I personally have not seen Malone go to a, let's try this. Everyone's kind of cited PJ Dozier. PJ was always kind of his, like, if I need a long defender to go in and cause and disrupt some things a little bit, I've the got following year he was. So I had to look it up. He played 412 minutes in the bubble year. And then he played Peyton Watson's at 143. So that's roughly one third the minutes that even PJ Dozier played. So I, I think even that you're looking at a smaller sample size and a tougher one, a tougher one. And then on top of that, Denver, probably just a little bit, I mean, it's weird to say deeper, but I mean, they got their five guys at least that they know are their top five guys. Um, they have bench guys that I think they know are their bench guys. So I don't know. I just, I would have a hard time seeing it, but what I'll say, Matt is to me, this represents something of a failure of Michael Malone this year, albeit a small one. This is not the most important thing in the world that decision he had to make, but I think with how he's played over this stretch, I do wish he had 400 minutes under his belt throughout the course of the season. When we had minutes where Davon Reed was playing, Davon started. We had games where Davon started. I just think you could look at that and say, what do we need on this roster? We need length and defense and just found an extra 100, 200 minutes along the way that he picked up. And I think this question would be a little bit easier. As it is, 143 minutes, it's just going to be so hard. And it's probably the right, like, honestly, us saying this, if you told me Peyton Watson plays game four of the first round, would you guess that those minutes went, knowing no other context, did those minutes go well or poorly? Poorly. That's what I would guess too. Like, I mean, you just have to default to, hey, we don't know, man. He's still very out of control offensively in a lot of situations. For sure. And that can be very costly. Like that leads to mistakes. That leads to turnovers, which go the other way, which Denver can't afford. Um, I, I don't agree on the, he should have played more. I just don't. I look at where he was in summer league and how we saw him in preseason. And I, and I just like, he was so far away. I think they needed to get him. I think he needed to take a growth curve. He went to the G league and he did it. And then he was able to come in and contribute. He was ready. And the nuggets gave him a chance. I think like, I think the curve has been appropriate, but that's, I think it's a thing where we can just, like, I think, I, I think the reason we disagree with it is the Nuggets to me are in this transitionary period from the Tim Conley team to the Calvin Booth one. And Calvin has clearly added length and defense. And I, that's just where I would say, hey, that's what we have to, if you buy into that strategy, that's what you need. So playing some of these more offensive minded guys when you had all these injuries to me is why we don't, there was no scenario. I, th I don't think this year where the Nuggets were going to need what Davon Reed provided the team. So if you just take his minutes and hand them off to a Peyton, I think it would have made sense. Again, it's a small thing, but to me, that's what it is. On the other side, we'll talk about whether or not the Nuggets should try and finish with a better record than the Sixers. Plus, uh, I will explain how complicated the playoff picture is and how there is very much a possibility that there are still five different teams the Nuggets could face in the first round. We'll talk about that on the other side. But first, I'm going to tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook. The NBA playoffs are almost here, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, scored and threes drained. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. My favorite playoff bets are the series spread win lines. So you take a team to either win by more than uh, a certain number or less than a certain number of wins. So like minus one and a half as a team wins and six 
or fewer games. And then plus two and a half as it goes like into a longer series, that team can compete or even outright win. Those have been really good for me through the years. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Friday, wrapping up the regular season. So, Adam, you had a question that you wanted to ask me about whether or not Denver should try and accomplish a certain mark. I don't remember what that question was. <laughs> oh, oh, I do. That's right. <laughs> now I, I do. Use it for the break, buddy. <laughs> um, yes, the 76ers and Nuggets are tied right now. The Celtics will have a better record than the Nuggets. The Bucks will have a better record than the Nuggets. That's two of the three most likely teams to come out of the East. But I'm looking at the 76ers going, they might come out of the East too. Should Denver look at that and say, hey, we need a better record than they have in case we match up in a finals? I uh, I am just of the opinion you just got to deal with the conference and then once you get to the finals deal with it from there. Um, finals are so different; they're like a microcosm, and like Game Seven being in an opposing city is huge. The first two games being in opposing city is huge, especially I think for this Nuggets team. But ultimately, I think you just got to prioritize, especially with how banged up these guys are. You got Jokic with a calf that they clearly are concerned enough about to talk about it. Right. Um, Murray's hand injury, uh, the entire upper body of of Aaron Gordon, honestly, ribs, shoulder, neck. I'm sure his head hurts maybe. Um, and then KCP just seems really sick. I don't know what KCP has got, but this has been a while that he's had this illness thing. And um, there's kind of like, usually I'd be like, eh, they're just saying sick, but like, no, I've seen him. Like he's, he's got, he got hit in the chest and was really having trouble in one of the games. So he's been not healthy. So they just got to rest up there. The reason, honestly, I would do it though. I'm, I would, I think the best outcome just to wrap up the MVP stuff is for them to kind of like, be like, you can have your MVP award. You want so badly, just so everybody knows Jokic has been more impactful. His team has a better standing in the, in the, in the, the, the conference and a better record, but it's fine. You have your little MVP that everybody wants to give you so badly and we can be done. I think it would be, uh, he's also earned it. He's played very well. I, I want to be the guy that talks about the pity MVP for Joel Embiid and all this stuff, but I mean, I honestly think he's earned it. Oh. I'm not saying that he should be the number one guy. I just don't think it's crazy that that he's if he wins it. And it looks oh like no, wins. like it's not like he's like not deserving. Right. He's he is the third most deserving player in the NBA. So. <laughs> um, the playoff picture. All right. I will I will kind of like lay this out. The Warriors and Clippers are up one game. The Pels and Lakers are behind two. Um, I just want to take a moment and say that if the Minnesota Timberwolves had not lost to the Blazers, there was a really good chance that the Wolves wound up making the playoffs outright. That loss literally killed them. They win tiebreakers with everyone, and they blew it. Really amazing if they just not lost the Blazers. And Minnesota team cannot get out out of its own way. Um, Here's kind of how this works out, all right? The Pels went 3 and 0 versus the Lakers or versus the Clippers lost to the Lakers and the Clippers went 4-0 versus the Lakers. So here's where this kind of gets interesting. The Warriors lose all of these tiebreakers, all of them. So if the Warriors lose one one game, it is very likely that they wind up in the play-in tournament. Um if it's 
if the Warriors win out and the Clippers lose one, it and the Lakers and Pelicans win out, it's going to wind up actually Pels in six, Lakers, Clippers, seven, eight. So that's like a good example of how this could go. Um, there are still scenarios, obviously, where the second, the eight, the nine, 10 winner can still get into the eight spot, right? So the, the, there's still a chance that the Nuggets could face the Wolves or the Thunder. Um, the, the team that they are most, that they are, the team the Nuggets are least likely to face in the first round is the Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah. That's the team they are least likely to face because the Clippers have tiebreaker over the Warriors. Um, there are scenarios, like I mentioned, where they do lose three-way tiebreakers. There's a lot of those. Um, the team that the Nuggets are probably second least likely to face in the first round has got to be the Golden State Warriors because they're one game up and they face the Kings who are resting everybody tonight. It is a road game, though, and I simply refuse to put a, a, a low enough bar on any Warriors road game. Everything, Anything is possible when it comes to the Warriors on the road. Um it's going to come down to, I'm not, I don't know. Do you think the Thunder can go on the road to Minnesota and win a playing tournament game? Yes. Okay. Do you think the Thunder can then go on the road and beat either the Pelicans, the Lakers, or the Warriors or Clippers? Pelicans, yes. Lakers even, yes. Um, so I'd say yes. I'm not counting on it, but you asked if it's possible. And I just think, I think it's all possible. I just, it's not very likely. Um. Who do you think is the most likely team that they're going to face? Um, I mean, that's your your area of expertise, but it certainly feels like it's going to be the Timberwolves or Pelicans. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, just because I'm looking at the – it feels like Pelicans, Timberwolves, Thunder will likely be the bottom. And by the way, last game of the season, Pelicans versus Timberwolves, <laughs> which is kind of great in Minnesota. So that might be a play-in, play-in game for – for a certain advantage or whatever. So kind of an interesting one right there. Um, I think it'll be one of those three. I just would be shocked if the Lakers or Warriors or whatever lose. Whoever's in that plan, I just would be shocked if those teams win a home game in the plan. It'd be kind of funny. Um, uh, kind of a good way to, to think about this is that the Lakers need to win what? They need to win three of four to make sure that they don't face Denver. Right. That's a good way to think about it. Um, you mentioned the Wolves-Pelicans kind of side of this. I'll talk about that real briefly. Uh, so if the Wolves win on Saturday night versus the Spurs, which you would which think, they should, but again, they lost to Portland. But if they beat the Spurs, the Wolves control destiny for the eight. Because if they beat the Pels on Sunday, they will tie them and clinch tiebreaker in that game. It's 1-1 Wolves-Pels. Wow. Um, and that's why that game is on national television because it's clearly the most important game of the playoff. Oh, no, wait. The Lakers are playing the Jazz because we just got to put the Lakers on there So, because this league is a bunch of cowards. That's that's what we're doing. Um, so anyway, pe- the, if the Wolves went out, they're the eight is a good way to think about this. So why is the eight versus nine matter? You get two cracks at it and you get home court in that second game if you lose the first one. Yep. Now, I also think that the Wolves, if they are, if they do win out and they get the eight, I think they can absolutely go into LA and beat the Lakers. I'll just say that. Like that that would not shock me. Like the Wolves are good. And it's funny that it would be Vanderbilt Beasley, you know, against the Lakers. Like there, there just would be some interesting D'Angelo Russell. There would be some interesting um hatred there. Um, I have a question for you. If it's Lakers, if it's Lakers Wolves. 
in the seven, eight, who are you rooting for? Man, I mean, the Wolves. I, I, there's nobody I hate more than the Lakers. But so that's the thing. If it's the seven, eight. Oh, I see. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you have to go Lakers because you have to have, you have the to go Lakers. They're just a little scarier. I will say, I think Minnesota is a sneaky, weird matchup. Like, You've that's been on this for a while. Even, you, like, the two teams you were most. Denver should win. Denver should win. Uh, let me ask you this because there's, it's, it, I think we just, I don't know if we take the Warriors for granted or not. Are you more worried about the Warriors or the Wolves? <laughs> you know, it's, this is how messed up I am, Matt. I'm more worried about the Wolves, be, even though they're the easier team, the narrative is worse. <laughs> like, it's almost in a weird way, the stakes are the worst. You lose to the Warriors, you know, who knows? Maybe the Warriors go on to the finals, but but you lose to the, the Wolves, it's like a disaster. That's interesting. Yeah. But I think I think I'm I think the uh, Warriors are a significantly tougher matchup. We should do this real quickly. Let's rank how how terrible it would be from a narrative optimism. Narrative? Ooh, oh my god. I mean the Lakers. Like you've never beaten the Lakers. It just proves that you're the second tier, second class franchise. Anthony Davis gets the win over Jokic. That's number right. one, right? I think it's number one. Minis- if you're talking about first round matchups, mm-hmm. yeah, then Timberwolves are probably two. Just you've got Tim Conley, Chris Finch over there. You know, they're not exactly a great team. Towns. Ta- you got centers. So Go you bear. probably sound like you're getting outplayed by another center. Um, and then Pelicans and Thunder are just really bad because they're not considered a good team. So, I mean, yeah, I think. Those are, un- those are, I think, are unlikely, especially with Zion. Not, not expect, like, Zion's, there's um, no timeline for his return, but he's not going to return for at least the play-in tournament. So I can't expect to see him in the first round. Um, would losing the, what would losing to the Clippers look like? I mean, again, it just depends on what the Clippers go on to do at that point. I think it's one of those ones where if it happens, you sit there and go, like, okay, is this team actually good now? Or are they bad and they get murdered in the next round? I mean, it would kind of come down to that. Kane uh, Serblanovich says, wow, low confidence vibe is strong. Uh, honestly, you know what's funny is we keep talking about these, but my confidence isn't all that low. I actually think the Nuggets are going to win. Even if they play the Lakers, I think they beat them. So it's it's just more of a the disaster, the low-end side of it, if you want to dwell on those sorts of things. But look, Denver, we haven't seen them look very good over the last couple of weeks. I don't think it necessarily matters. But at their, if you told me every team's best – Lakers, Pelicans, Thunder, Timberwolves, Clippers, like Denver's best is better. And so at the end of the day, you just got to, you got to play your best and assure you win. I agree with that. Oh, I forgot about the bones factor with the Clippers. You asked about yeah, that. Yeah, it was because of bones. It looks really bad on Malone. If, if, well, yeah, I mean, if, if we, bones is a contributor, like he was last night. I want to ask that question. This has been framed as a Malone versus bones thing. Like my feeling is that this became a, the veterans versus bones thing. I mean, here's the thing, Matt. I mean, you come on. <laughs> Bones has had some words for Michael Malone, and Michael Malone, in his wishing him well, uh, did not exactly have nice things to say about Bones when presented a perfect opportunity. So I think it's fair to say that there is a uh, bad blood between those two. Okay. Interesting. Um, you disagree with that? Michael Malone knows how to play the – you know, he's a great player, and it didn't work out. Like, he knows how to play that game. He was asked about Bones Highland, and he said, 
I wish him well. Wish that kid well. Yeah. I wish that. Yeah. Like it was very dis. And he said it in a very dis. Yeah. I think I'm just like, more, but more refuting the idea that uh, the conflict and the idea from the outside is that the conflict internally was entirely Malone versus Bones. And I don't. It's, feel not, like, it's not for sure. I, mean, I don't feel that that's an accurate representation. No, of course, the play. I, there are a lot of the veteran players were, were were grew tired of Bones. I mean, it was that as much as anything. But I'm saying, in the matchup there, if Bones went off to win a pivotal game five. Like I have a feeling that he would most be trying to clown or oh or he would turn around and like look at Malone like that, he would, and that's all I mean I don't yeah, know that he would look at Nicola I don't know that he would look at KCP I think he would look at Michael Malone fair to it yeah that's that's totally a fair point you're right about all the public stuff um okay all right so anyway then the Suns are locked in four if the Nuggets advance and the Suns advance they'll face each other in a second round series. Uh, Grizzlies and Kings, if they both advance, will face each other in a second round series. I have a King stat for you that may surprise you. Okay. So we talked a lot about the East, about the road splits for all these teams. Nuggets are currently 500, uh, against uh, on the road, by the way, they need to win versus the jazz to ensure that they have a 500 road record. No, no, no. They're 19 and 21. They, they have nothing they can do. Oh, yikes. They'll be, they can be 20 and 21. Yikes. Um, forgot about that. That rocket's lost, man. Um, so there's been all this conversation about road home road splits and the big knock on the Kings is their defense. Understandably, because their overall rank is terrible. If I told you the Kings are are the Kings have the best road record in the West, that's been talked about. If I told you that and I asked you why, what would you think is the reason why the Kings are better on the road? I don't know. The Kings at home have the league's best offense and the 29th ranked defense in the NBA on the road amongst all road teams. This season, the Sacramento Kings have the second best offense and the eighth best defense in the NBA. They are a better road defensive team than they are at home. And they are better relative to the rest of the league. Yeah. That's crazy to me that the Kings have the eighth best road defense in the NBA I would have been like, I would have thought it was like 15 and 25. I'm rooting for the Kings. Yeah, you got to. They're just another one of those teams that everybody kind of counts out. And I mean, if they get a Lakers, there's obviously just like there is Denver Lakers. There's a lot of Kings Lakers history there. And, you know, I'm sure for them, that would be a a stressful series as well. But I'm rooting for them. What are the series you most want to see in the West? What matchups do you think are the most compelling? Uh, Clippers Suns is one I really want to see. Is that more interesting than Warriors Suns to you? Yes. Why? Uh, the Clippers played were the if Kawhi doesn't get hurt in 2021, the Clippers go to the finals. They match up so well with them to the point where I honestly kind of wonder if they match up better with them than Golden State does at this point because Golden State's lost so much depth that that takes away a big advantage of where Golden State was two years ago in that match or yeah two years ago in that matchup. Um, that's true. The depth and, part would be huge. Yeah. Yeah, and so like that's part of the factor there. Um, it's not that like I don't think the Warriors are live versus the Suns. I think they are, but um, I like the Clippers matchup more. Uh, I'd actually, truth be told, I kind of like to see Warriors Lakers just from a Death Star type thing. Like it would be, it would probably result in the Lakers winning because that's how the NBA. The, the I made this comment when I wrote an article the other day. Um, the arc of NBA history bends towards the Lakers, and that's just like the reality. But if the Kings in their first playoff appearance in 17 years knocked out LeBron James and the Lakers in round one, it would be an incredible moment in franchise history. 
Mm. So that would be really interesting from a tactical perspective. Warriors Grizzlies to me is always really fascinating. Um, Grizzlies match up very well with them. And everyone kind of like goes back there. So I'm like, well, they beat them. And I was like, yeah, they beat them. Cause like they lost a coin flip in the first game. If you remember, like John missed a game winner or turned the ball over. I forget what happened. And then Ja got hurt in game five. The Warriors were going to win that series because they were better. But like that series went long already with Ja getting hurt and a coin flip. That series probably goes long. That's a very good tactical matchup between those two, yeah. those two teams. Um, what about Memphis, Minnesota? Run, run it back of last year. I don't know how to, I don't know because the big advantage for Minnesota last year was how they play pick and roll coverage at the level versus drop. And with Rudy, all that changes. Like I think Minnesota is easier for Memphis with Rudy, which I've actually been very big on Rudy this year. Like when I've watched him, he's played better than I've seen him play in several seasons on both ends of the floor. And this Wolves team has trusted him with the ball in a way Utah did not. And he's actually done well. Like I've actually been like, Rudy's played really good this year, but I do think the tactical X's and O's strategy stuff leans a little bit more towards Memphis compared to last year's match. <clears throat> um, I'd like to see the other one. I think I would, I would kind of like to see is um, Clippers Memphis would be really fascinating just from like Kawhi versus like, would you put Jaron on him? Right. Like how do you approach that, that series, the three point stuff in that series? Uh, the most interesting and fun Denver series would probably be Nuggets-Kings. That's a conference finals. That would be a lot of fun, but no one would want to watch it. So, so, <laughs> oh, so I'd love it. That's what I would love the most about it is how poorly rated it would be. Unbelievable. <laughs> Rooting against the ratings. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, that's been our show. That's our last show of the regular season. On Monday, we'll talk about the play-in tournament, how that looks, what the possibilities are for Denver – uh, we'll start covering the possibility of these outcomes. We'll take a look at what the Nuggets need to work on next week and their week off before their first playoff game on Sunday. We'll talk about um, the timing of that game and everything else. We'll start covering the playoffs on Monday. Until then, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you're a longtime listener and you hear that always and just haven't done it, go back and do it. Just help us out for a little bit. Every little bit helps. This is our time to eat. This is when we make our bread. Help us out. Uh, make sure to follow Adam on Twitter at Adam underscore Mario. Check out all the great work at DNVR. We'll see you guys again on Monday for the first playoff edition of the season here on Locked on Nuggets. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.